Welcome to this week's presentation from Bethesda, a church community where anyone can belong. We hope that the following presentation encourages you in your faith journey. Thanks for listening. As you've seen, we are beginning a brand new series uh, here at Bethesda. It's called I Am. It's a challenge to us uh, in terms of our, our identity. And September is uh, really a season of new experiences. And uh, if you're a young adult, it's a new experience for you. It's starting school for the first time. Now, depending on your personality, you are either comfortable with new experiences or uncomfortable. Okay? So if you're one of those people this morning that love brand new experiences, you go into it not knowing the details of it, love everything about it, raise your hand all over the room. It's okay. This is a new experience. You're supposed to raise your hand. Right, you can get pills for that kind of stuff, right? But for those of us, in, the rest of us in the room this morning that uh, are not really comfortable with new experiences, you want to know the details going into it, you want to know all everything around them before, during, and after, raise your hand, right? That's the normal people, right, in the room, right? But uh, experiences are important. And either way, when we experience something for the first time, we look for the identifiers uh, to make our experience less unfamiliar, when, when we identify something familiar, it gives us a sense of calm. It does for me. When I'm going into a new experience, I need to know something familiar about it. For example, this week is the most wonderful time of the year, right? Because our, our kids go back to the school, go back to school. And, and uh, I was driving one of my kids uh, to school this week uh, for the first time. Uh, he, which is my only son, I got this one son. And uh, he was going to a new school. So uh, as we rounded the uh, school, I told him that this is called the kiss and, kiss and ride so that you have to kiss your, de- your parents uh, so everybody can see it. And uh, he, he didn't agree to that, by the way. Uh, I, I made his experience very uncomfortable, actually. And so when I dropped him off, I could see that this was a brand new experience for him. I could see his face. I could see that there was a crowd of people there. And I almost put the window down and started singing, this is the most one. But I didn't do that. I'm not cruel. Uh, But uh, what made him uh, comfortable and familiar is that someone inside that crowd of 50 people, while they're standing for the door to open, said, hey, Josh. And as soon as they said that, I could see his face change because he saw or he recognized something, something familiar. Maybe today you're in the middle of a work project. I'm sorry to bring work up in the middle of your day off, but uh, you know, and it's a brand new work project and you have to present that in front of people or in front of your boss and you're like, wow, this is, you know, you question whether or not, you know, you can do it. I want to tell you, public speaking is not easy. Take it from, from me. I have to stand in front of you beautiful faces every Sunday, and it's not easy. And if you're in the middle of a work project, if you're like me, you lean on something familiar, whether you've presented this before, this material before, to make yourself familiar and put you at ease, right? Because you ask yourself the question every time you do something publicly, can I really do this? Am I capable of, of doing this? And uh, so you, you, you want to be familiar. If, for example, you go on holidays. Raise your hand if you go to the same place on holidays every year, for, uh, for the most part. Raise your hand, all over the room. I'm, am I the only one? Are, are, we, are we for real? Right? You go to the same place or the familiar places and all, all things like that because you go because your last experience there was a good experience, I assume, 
right? That's why you're going back. If you're going back because it was a bad experience, you need to not do that. But you go back because it's a great experience because it's familiar to you and you enjoyed it. You go to a new restaurant. You, you, take, you, you enjoy the food. You want to go back to that restaurant, right? So familiarity. Identifiers are key to our experiences. Identifying people is key as well. I absolutely drive my wife nuts because I have this thing, when I see a familiar face, especially from 20 years ago, I'll say, that person's from Goose Bay, which is where I grew up. And she will, in turn, say to me, you say that about every person you see past you. They're not from Goose Bay. But last Saturday, we were on the La Manche Trail with a bunch of friends. And if you've ever been on the La Manche Trail and that, that, cable, that cable bridge there, I'm telling you this story because it's important to tell, okay? Because it's the one time in my marriage where I was right, and I'm going to tell it, okay? And so uh, we were standing there, and this couple came up, and when they came up, I came face to face with this person. They didn't recognize me, but I recognized them because I have a gift of recognizing people. And so I saw that person, and I leaned over to my wife. I said, that person's from Goosebane. And she gave me the eye roll, right? The story's not over. So we, we enjoy our day with our friends. I go home and I creep them on Facebook. And lo and behold, they had pictures by this, by this bridge at La Manche. You should be clapping for me now, okay? Because I... <laughs> and of course, I showed Rochelle, I said, see, I'm right, right? And then she rolled her eyes again, which is... <laughs> but identifiers are, are so, so important, especially identifying people. It's not hard to identify a newfie, is it? No matter where you are, you could be in, the, in a Caribbean island and you'll hear someone say, talk and you say, that's a newfie, right? We were, in, we were in, uh, uh, in Florida a couple years ago and we were at the Lululemon. No, I wasn't buying anything from Lululemon. Not that I wouldn't, but my kids were. I couldn't afford to buy it after they bought it, actually. And so, so that we were at the front counter. We were at the front counter and, and this, this, this person next to us, uh, we, uh, was, was buying, th- and apparently in the States you had to give your phone number. And of course, this person gives their phone number 1709-722-3844. <laughs> you're from Newfoundland, right? Uh, it's, it's, it's no matter where you are. And if you're really keen, you can tell where someone is from based on their accent. Last, uh, last year, while returning from holidays, my family and I were inside the gate in Toronto. Inside the gate, there's a Starbucks. Okay, and I was sitting at the gate, and there was a couple newfies who had just returned from an all-inclusive. Okay, there was about eight of them, eight newfies. It was just a laugh to listen to them. I sat there and I creeped and I listened. And while we were sitting there, they were getting ready to order some drinks from Starbucks. And, and now, have you ever heard a hardcore newfie try to order from Starbucks? It is comical. I'm not sure where they were from. Even, even, ever hear a newfie try to say latte? Have you ever done that? Maybe you're in the room. I still don't want to say it, right? Uh, the, the word latte. And so I was, I was si- sitting there, and uh, these kinds of new, these newfies were not just introverted newfies. These were extroverted newfies. <laughs> Trust me, there is a difference. We have two of them on our staff. Trust me, there's a difference. The kind of newfies that get more foolish the more they talk and the more they embellish. So, so they, they were sitting practicing how to pronounce latte and deciding whoever could pronounce it the best would be the one to go and get the order. And so, of course, you know what I did. I followed them to Starbucks so I could listen. <laughs> so they sent, up, they sent up Kai. That's his name, Kai, which I guess means... 
I don't know. Hezekiah, I, I suppose. And so his name is Kai. So, so you know, they, their, their friends are looking on. And so when it was his turn, he, he stood there. There was a couple of people. There were a couple of people, and he was third in line. And, 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 and he was laughing the entire time while his friends looked on. So extroverted, hardcore newfie. Now, when it was his turn, he got up to the counter. He said, my name is Kai. I want three ladies and four blondes and two Americanis. <laughs> and so, not a word. <laughs> right? I want three ladies, four blondes, and two Americanis. <laughs> and so the server, of course, not understanding, trying to be polite, asked him to repeat it, which is not good to do with an extroverted newfie, okay? The more he repeated, the faster he got. I want a lady. I want a lady. I want a lady. <laughs> and I mean, the server calls his manager over and tells the manager, no joke, that, that Kai doesn't speak good English <laughs> and is trying to order something. And I'm standing there dying laughing, okay? And by the end of the, by the, end of the Kai says, I, I speak English, by and a cup of coffee, by I'm a newfie. And so I'm just standing there. And again, no matter where you are, identifying people is so important. And it puts us at ease. You could be in anywhere place in the world. And when you see something familiar, especially a newfie, or maybe you're from another country in another culture, and you can do the same. In the middle of multiple cultures, you can tell someone's from your culture. And so we're talking about identity today. And today we begin a new series called I Am. Our identity is probably one of the most important aspects of who we are, isn't it? Uh, when we identify as a follower of Christ in the community of Bethesda, what does that mean? What does it mean? We are, we're we're going to discover how a believer identifies. When we say, I'm a part of Bethesda, in, in a world of self, self-representation, self-autonomy, what does that mean? And so over the, the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about, I'm forgiven. If you were a child, we just sang about it. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. And for some of you, you may sound a little repetitious, but sometimes in the middle of my journey with God, I need to be reminded that I am a child of God. Yes, I am. Amen? So we're going to talk about I'm forgiven. We can build a foundation of faith when we experience the ultimate forgiveness. Faith is built on the premise Faith in Jesus Christ is built on the premise that I'm forgiven even though I don't deserve it. Isn't that amazing? This is where you say amen. I'm forgiven. I'm growing. What does that growing look like? We'll look at our discipleship path again. I am for. We will launch into some of our, our, our ministries and, and for St. John's events and, and, and outreach things that we're going to do. How, how do we identify inside of our city as we reach out? I'm devoted, committed to the vision of Bethesda. How we identify with vision. I am grace-filled. We are incubators of God's grace and dispensers of his grace. Are you both an incubator and a dispenser of God's grace? Are you a person that just incubates your relationship with God? Or do you do both? Do you not only understand and receive God's grace, but dispense it freely to a world and a world of ambivalence? We identify as distributors of grace. So for 15 years, I, can, I don't know what it is to say I am Bethesda. For 15 years, I've had the privilege of leading this church 
both as a youth pastor and the last eight years as your, your senior pastor, as your lead pastor. And I've seen so many people in the, uh, engaged in the mission and the vision of this great church, invested in kids, invested in programs that promote community, and I've seen people come to faith because of volunteer, volunteers' commitment and passion for this local church. And we are watching it this week unfold. You are sitting in a seat, and a number of things are unfolding all around us as this church comes alive again for the fall. Our children's ministry, over 120 probably, I'm guessing at this point, but typically every Sunday are, are between two services. Uh, we have children's ministry that start on Thursday, every second Thursday. Our city kids, passionate volunteers, our mom and me, and it's not called mom and me, our city tots, you're looking at me like you're saying that wrong. City Tots that, that start every second, uh, starting this month, every second Wednesday. We have our youth ministry that, that, that launched this past Friday for the first Friday, uh, for the first time Friday since the summer because they did it on Wednesdays. We have our young ministry back full swing, you know. Things are happening, but it takes volunteers to make that happen. Passionate volunteers. Um, a church that makes a difference in your life and makes a difference in the community isn't because we talk about it, but we do it. That's the difference between a church, isn't it? That just talks about it, but we, we do it. It's personal for me because I, I have three children who have been raised under this a pew here at Bethesda. They, we used to have pews here. One, one child specifically, was when we first came here, our first daughter was two years old. And we had two more. Not recently, of course, because uh, I would go out of my mind. All my kids know this is this church and these environments. Rochelle and I uh, uh, say often, uh, many times, that we so appreciate the, the people that have mentored our kids over the last 17 years, 16, 17 years here at Bethesda, that have helped us to reinforce our values as uh, people who love Jesus and believe in the local church and attending church on, on Sunday. I can name it. My kids still talk about teachers in this church who've influenced their life. People like Steve Harris. All of my kids went through his class. People like Millie Brown. All my kids went through their class. And all the teachers in between that influenced them uh, in other areas. Youth pastors, Pastor Crystal, Pastor Megan, and uh, other people that have just really been a part of their lives. And I'm sure you can tell uh, the same story. And, and we really have been articulating over the last couple of years three things. Three things that this church have done well before Bruce Newman ever showed up. And we have just articulated in words. And one of them this is this. And you've heard this before. The first one is, you belong here. You've heard it several times today. You see it on our, our bulletin. You hear us talk about it. And what we mean by that, whether you have no faith... If you're in a point in your life where you're in this service today, you're listening live, and you're not sure if you even believe in God, you belong here. Whether you have little faith, where you're questioning your relationship with God, or something's happened in your life, and you're questioning God and faith, you belong here. Or if you have much faith, you've been saved for 40 years plus, and, and, and you, you just have an immense amount of faith, and you believe in God, and you've served the Lord, your family, you belong here. Even on your worst day. Can't be, Pastor. Even on your worst day, the worst mistake you've ever made, 
even on that day where nobody else knows about, that it still hurts you, you belong here. Not only do you belong here, you, as, you begin to, as you belong here, we have a gift for you. As you journey through questions about God and faith, we have a gift for you, and that is a transformational relationship with Jesus. If anybody has experienced that, say amen. As you journey in your faith, whether you have no faith, little faith, lots of faith, we, if you've already made a commitment to faith and you have much faith, that's wonderful, and you're serving, but if you're not sure where you are, we want to introduce you this person by the name of Jesus who can transform your life from the inside out. Amen? So you belong here. And secondly, not only do you belong here, you belong in community. You belong in community. You've heard us say that. And what we mean by that is we, we, we talk about small groups. We're gearing up for small groups again this year. As a matter of fact, when you leave this service, you will see a small group display out there and an opportunity for you to connect to a small group or even facilitate a small group. I tell you, some of the most meaningful spiritual conversations I have is in my small group. When I, where I'm leading a group of people and we have dialogue, we learn together, we grow together, we hurt together, and we do it all over again. You belong in community. Also, your investment is making an impact. Your investment is making an impact. And when we think investment, we think of money, and that's true for that, but also what you give to this church, your gifts, your presence is making an impact in people's life. So you belong here. You belong in community. And your investment is making an impact because a church that is making a difference doesn't just talk about it, we want to do it. We, we want to invite others into the story of life change. We want to invite others on, into a community of believers who love Jesus and we want you to invest in something that will not only impact you but impact people's lives for eternity. You know that when you invest in stuff, we invest in things that we believe in. And when we invest, it not only impacts the person as the recipient of them, that investment, but it impacts us as well as we serve and as we give. You see, the church in its best posture isn't a church that, that's just talks about it or led by a person who just talks about it. The Apostle Paul hits this perfectly when he said, if you want your church to be what it is intended to be, when you say, I am Bethesda, here's how it should identify. You see, and in the context of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul was the first church planter. He spent his life moving around the Mediterranean and he planted, uh, planted churches all over the place in Gentile areas, areas. Do you realize that there was a time when there was no church? Can you imagine? My goodness. The Jewish people had synagogues where they gathered. All of a sudden, Jews and Gentiles began to gather together and worship on the first day of the week and they would worship the resurrection of Jesus. It had just happened. The church was being birthed and they were not in bondage anymore. See, they had an idea of what they wanted Jesus to be. They wanted them, Jesus to come and, and, and to, to free them from Roman rule, but Jesus came to do more than that. He came to set them free from their sin. Amen? And he's still doing it today. And Paul would start a gathering and then he would visit them and he would write to them and there's a word the Bible uses called the ecclesia that was not a, bu a building, but a movement of people. 
It was all about people. And Jesus even said in Matthew 16, 18, and, and I tell you the truth, you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my what? Ecclesia and the gates of hell, Hades, will not overcome it. See, the proper translation to this word isn't a building. It, it's, it's actually a gathering of people. The word church crept into our English translations later. The ecclesia Jesus came to establish was a gathering of people and never intended to be about just a building. Not that the building's not important. I don't want to lose my job here. Right? But it was a gathering of people defined as the church later on in the English. And Paul began to form words around what this gathering would be. And here's what he defines the church as. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27. Now you are the what? Body of Christ. Paul is saying, you are the hands and feet of Jesus. Jesus had gone into heaven. He had left people who, who, who were his followers. And he wanted them to tell others what he had taught them, and when you gather in my name, I will be there with you in the midst of it. And here's a truth that we forget. Paul explains what that means. When we gather in Jesus' name, we are as close as anyone will ever get to being in the presence of Jesus. I'm not saying you can't experience the presence of Jesus alone, but, but Paul forms this word called gathering, defining the body of Christ. And when the body of Christ gathers together as the body, it's where we see Jesus in full view, his presence and his power. And you and I are the, are, are, are the fullest expression of Jesus in the body as a collection of believers. And that's why you cannot live out your faith in isolation. You can't. I'm not saying you can't have a relationship with God alone, but you can't live out your faith in isolation because you are missing out on, on how to function, how you function in the body and missing out on seeing Jesus in full view. Some of the most beautiful pictures of the body is seen through small groups, through a group of people who journey together, have relationship together, and when one hurts, you watch the rest of the body gather around that hurting part and minister and touch and nurture and bring back to health. Amen? And some of you experienced that. So to say I am Bethesda means I am a part of the larger body. And when we gather, we are as close as the world will ever understand what the body of Christ looks like. And it says, and each one of you is a part of it. So every single person who follows Jesus is a part of it. Jesus' followers are actually body parts. None of us are the whole thing. Ever meet someone who thinks they're the whole body? Right? Who, who thinks they don't need other people because they're fine like they are. And they isolate themselves from church and people and there's negativity and there's, and I've, I've met people like that. But it says, just as a body though, one has many parts, but all its many parts from one body. So it is with Christ. And I, I think we all get that. Anybody lost? I think that's pretty elementary. Your hand is not your body. Your foot is not a body. When I say I am Bethesda, I'm not saying I am the entire body. I'm a part of the body. As a matter of fact, if you take my finger and cut it off and lay it on the stage, it will not work. And it's gross. Right? <laughs> this is Paul's point. If you are a follower of Christ, you are part of the body. 
Look around you. We are connected. Some people will say, I can worship God at home. This is true, but you cannot function as the body in isolation. And what was going on in the context of 1 Corinthians was a number of people were body shaming. You know, you know what body shaming is, right? We, we think that's, that's a word that we use in today's culture. It's when a person posts a picture uh, on Facebook or social media and someone else who's got no better thing to do and more time on their hands than they deserve, they get on, on Facebook and they body shame. They say something negative about that person's picture uh, or their, their, their image or their look or things like that. Paul was dealing with the same thing in 1 Corinthians because in the context of 1 Corinthians, there were people who had lesser gifts than other people who had apparently had better gifts, and they were making those with lesser gifts, gifts sh- shaming them. They were, th- th- even though they were in the body, and they were body shaming them. They were saying, your gifts are not as important. As, and, and Paul comes along, and he can't understand this because they were gathering in Jesus' name. And we'll talk about that in a second. And there was something going on in the Greek culture at the time, and there's a parallel for you and I. So let me read it and see if you you can find identity with it. Paul Paul hits two cultural identities in that culture, and it's so powerful. And I want you to journey with me with it. He talks about equality and dignity. He says, for for we were all baptized. In other words, we all identify by one spirit so as as to form one body. This was a moment, okay? What he's about to say next, we can just gloss this over, but this was important. He says, whether Jews or Gentiles. Hold on a second here, Paul. Okay? And the Jews are reading this going, hold on a second. We have the monopoly on this religion. We have Moses. We have the covenant, right? And Jesus was a Jew. So surely we have the monopoly, and you're saying that we're going to join with Gentiles and, and, and come together under this one name? I can understand that we're creating a new, a new, a, a new a movement here called Judaism, but, but we're going to join with the Gentiles, and the Gentiles are over on the other side saying, yeah, really? You won't even, you won't even have lunch with me. You won't even eat with me, uh, Jew. You won't, even, you won't even let your kids hang out with, with my kids. And, and you won't intermarry. And, you're, and, and you're, you're saying that we're going to be together? And this is what was happening. This is what was going on. Then he says, slave or free. Now see, to you, without context, you're like, well, okay, slave or free, whatever. But slave in that context, the owner of a slave didn't even look in the eye of a slave. They were dispensable. And you're, you're, Paul, you're saying now under this new banner that the, the own and the owner are going to commune together? That's, that, that, that makes no sense. And that's what was going on. This powerful idea of equality and dignity found within the ecclesia is rooted in the cross. Jesus' sacrifice on the cross levels the ground on any cultural stigma or anything you might think that disqualifies you from from receiving this grace and this community called the body. Because in, in the body, Jesus became the great equalizer. Whether you're Jew or Gentile, whether you're whether you're a slave or 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 free, doesn't matter. 
In relationship with Jesus, everyone is included. Everyone has a part to play. Wow, Paul's readers are listening to this and they're going, this is, I, 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 I can't compute in some ways. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. In other words, this local church for every person in this room is not just about you, it's about us. I'm not saying that negatively. I'm not saying it's not about you. I'm saying it's not about you. It's a collective about, it's about us. And see, Paul is identifying an important fact about our identity in the body of Christ. And the first one is this, the body promotes unity as it discovers its dependence on one another. Our dependence creates unity. He uses an analogy and he does it this because he is addressing some mis- dysfunction in the local church and he deals with it because it is unfathomable to even think that in the middle of this new movement of Christ followers and the reason why they were gathering is because they were gathering in Jesus' name. Jesus who came to set them free, to bring unity, to bring slave and free and Gentile and Jew together. He said, this is unfathomable that you would even consider disunity in the middle of this because the cross is the great joiner. It's the great equalizer, both Gentile and Jew, both slave and free. He goes on to give this obvious but powerful illustration on unity through the functionality of the physical body. Now he says, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And to everybody that, everybody would say, well, that makes sense. And because I'm a foot and you cover me up most of the time, and when you get older, you're, you're, you cover your feet up all the time, right? Because I, I'm not a hand and I refuse to be part of the body. And of course, to, to the everyone would say, no, of course not. If, if, you, if you cut the foot off, the whole body suffers. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body. It would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. You can see how Paul is, is, is embellishing a little And over-illustrating a point, his point is because of the cross, you are a part of the body and you play a part in the body because the cross is the great joiner. It brings us together. It's a brilliant example because anyone reading this in Paul's time have bodies, living bodies parts, and they're walking a walking illustration of the body of Christ. And just as your body parts need each other, the ecclesia needs each other. The eye cannot say to the hand, I do not need you. And the hand says, I'll remind you tomorrow morning when you need to use me to wash your face and eat something, right? Whether or not you need me. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. Well, think that through for a minute. If the feet and the head got into an argument and one would not cooperate with the other, just imagine if your brain was at war with your feet every morning when you wake up. Some of you are saying, it is every morning. <laughs> my, my feet will not move. Right? My head is saying, you need to get up. My feet. We, we, we know what that means when the body is at war with each other in, in the simplest form. But imagine if each part refused to work together. Every single part of your body is dependent on each other. And when one is not well, the other part goes into action to help. They're not at war with each other. Paul says, on the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. 
And he's identifying another important fact about our identity in Christ, and it's this. The body needs, needs different functions if it's to live and, and, and grow and, and serve. Each body part is different but equally important. Our diversity makes us strong. If you do not function within the body with the gifts God has given you, the body is, isn't functioning at its best. We need each other, don't we? And this is true about the local body. When you and I say, I am Bethesda, it means every member of the body is indispensable. Now consider this. One of the things we love doing here is baptizing people. We baptize all ages, of course. Every single baptism story is the result of not one person, but the body acting like the body. Because anyone who's ever been baptized was invited or driven here from someone in the body, greeted by a part of the body, registered and escorted to elevate city kids or lighthouse by the part of the body, led in worship by part of the body, preached to by a part of the body, lights go up and lights go down by part of the body, led in prime time by part of the body, taught English and conversational cafe by part of the body, invited a sm into a small group, Guess what? By a part of the body. All because of different body parts came together and did something amazing. And by the end of the day, body parts that don't even know the name of that specific body part impacted that person who came, who became a part of the body. That's a lot of body words, I'm just saying. And it happens in this church every single week, impacting lives. The apostle Paul is saying, this is how the body functions. And I don't want you to miss something you are a part of, but, but to, to, to be a part of in something that you were designed to be a part of. Then Paul shows us, okay, the great designer of this amazing picture of the body. He says, but God has put together, the, put the body together giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it. So if you're in the room today and you're, you have this gift that you think that God has given you, whatever that gift is, and you're thinking, well, that's not really a, you know, it's a, it's a lacking gift. The scripture tells us that even the small gifts are important so that there should be no division in the body, but that its part should have equal concern for each, for each other. Again, parts of the body... Parts of your physical body cares for parts of your physical body. And, and think about this. If you, the body was designed to heal itself. When you, when you cut yourself, blood vessels at the site con contract and slow the bleeding. Blood platelets come in contact with the air, forms a clotting agent where the injury is located. White blood cells then gather at the spot and destroy and digest dead cells by secreting enzymes stored in your small pockets. That way, dead cell debris is removed and new space is made for the new cell to occupy. All be right there in your body. And Paul is describing this picture of, of the body, how it functions together because they're so excited about one thing, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And they're saying, we are unified. We're diverse, and our diversity unifies us under the one banner, the resurrected Lord. Amen? So as the body helps each other, it's hitting on all cylinders. No division, it's equal. You see, when the body of Christ is living out its full potential, 
It is the truest expression of Jesus to a watching world. You see, in, in a, in a post-Christian culture where our values and our tenets are now, an, uh, it seems, an afterthought. At one time in history, our values and tenets were at the forefront of everything. But now in today's society, to, to look and see, it feels as though our, our values are just an afterthought. We have to do this better. Our temptation, now that secularization is mainstream, is to do, to do what we've always done in the past, right? We isolate ourselves inside the body and incubate the, the gospel and live out the gospel in isolation and avoid the culture. But the church is called to function as the body of Christ in culture, amen? Because that is how it is. It lives and it grows and it serves. Author Russell Moore says this, and it's powerful, a church that assumes the gospel is a church that soon loses the gospel. And what he means is, what he means is this, that the church has lost its footing in society. And if we are not, if we are, if we don't articulate and engage the culture at every point, we will be ir irrelevant at best. And that's what Paul was doing in 1 Corinthians. And so as the member of the body of Christ, you and I are the key vehicles to the gospel. We have a culture that is opposed to the, their version of the gospel. If you have a friend that has, wants nothing to do with the gospel, they identify the gospel by a religious stigma, right? Well, you guys do this, you guys say this, I want no part of that. But when they see you and I functioning in the body, in this world, in its truest sense, they see Jesus in real time. That's what drove the church in Paul's day. A church who expressed themselves to a watching world through the hope of the cross. They had a new narrative. They were representing Jesus in that time and in that culture. And so we, we will say things like, uh, well, I, I pray that they find Jesus. I pray for my worker. He needs Jesus. Oh, he needs Jesus. Oh, you don't know, Pastor. This person needs Jesus. And when Jesus finally reach, if Jesus' arm is long enough to reach down and get them, it'll be a miracle. I'm going to pray that they get Jesus. No. That's not how the body functions. They need you. Here's the body language of a healthy, functioning body member. Let me introduce you to me as I introduce you to Jesus. Now, I know it's not grammatically correct. Get over it. But you know what I mean. The Paul, Paul says this. In, in the chapter before this, he says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. That is body language. He has such an amazing body confidence. As Paul functions inside the body, he understands that when we represent Jesus in culture, we are his truest expression in the world. How are you expressing Jesus in your world? By some quiet air. How's your body confidence? Are you representing Jesus through the body? The greatest vehicle to Jesus' love is you through the body of Christ. 
through its diversity and its union. See, Paul is identifying another, another important fact, as I conclude, about our identity in the body of Christ. Diversity fulfills the will of God. Our diversity, when we are functioning properly and healthy in the body of Christ, it fulfills his will as we are the truest example, expression of Jesus in the world. See, the church in Paul's day gathered in Jesus' name. They were representations of Jesus in the world as they function in the body, in unity, in diversity, representing Jesus. And Paul is saying, when I see that, when I see that, there isn't fighting and vying for better body parts. There is no weaker parts. We are diverse and indispensable, even the weaker gifts and the larger gifts. And so he concludes with the verse we started with. And I will conclude by returning. Now, you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. As you walk into the fall and lean into this series, you, Bethesda Church, are the body of Christ, and each and every one of you are a part of it. So when I say I am Bethesda, I'm living out my gifts within the body to accomplish God's purposes in the world. So, so we, as we began a new season, you do belong here. You, you, you belong in community. Your investment is making an impact as you function healthily inside the body of Christ. So let me ask you a closing, some closing questions. And it has to do with unity and diversity and representation. First is this, are you promoting unity in the body? Is the words that you speak and the actions that you make as you represent the body of Christ in your world, is it creating unity? It's a sobering question, isn't it? Not only that, but are you active in the body? Are you active in using your gifts within the body, in the church, but not in the church, but active in your community? Are you active? Are you representing Jesus in your world? as you are a part of the body. And because I am not, let's say it together. I am not, let's, let's say it together, okay? Let's say it together, okay? Ready? I am not just a part. I am playing a part. Let's say it together. I am not just a part. I am playing a part. Thank you for participating. Will you stand with me all over this room? As we end. What does that mean for you today? Maybe uh, you've been attending and you've been a part and you've not really stepped into playing a part and you're just trying to figure this thing out. And you're, uh, we, I totally get that. Maybe as we walk into a new season, God is wanting to ignite a gift that he has in your heart. Maybe it's a gift that if you express it, you're like, you're not sure how to be welcome or I, I, I'm not sure because it's, it's a very unique gift that I have. And maybe today uh, you are living inside the body and you're hurt. You refuse to play a part because of something that's happening to you in your life. Maybe today you have never made that step of faith. You don't know what it is to be in the body of Christ. And so playing a part is really stepping out in faith and asking Christ be part of your life. Maybe that's you today. And practically, 
for a moment. We are launching into another brand new season. And I'll tell you what, we don't do this because it's a job for us. We don't. I don't stand here. I don't prepare messages. I don't lead and teach and, 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 and lead the staff and, and board and vision of this church because it's my job. That's not why I do it. I do it because I love it. And I'm getting better at it. And our staff every week sits around and we are passionate and, and excited about what God is doing in the life of this church. And so as we walk into a new series, I am. It's not just, let's do a series. It's birthed out of our hearts. Our four St. John's that Pastor Justin is going to lead with such passion. It's not just something we do for the sake of doing because it's, it's great. It looks great on social media. No, because we are the body of Christ in this world. And our posture every single time in the middle of this world is grace and love. Grace and love. Grace and love. To a world that's, that deeply needs it. We love doing it. And we want to invite you into this. And a lot of you are doing it. So practically speaking, you will walk into the foyer after we leave here in a moment and you'll see our small groups table that's launching. It's, it's in sync with our, our sermon, our sermons every, every week for this I Am series. The box will be, the information will be there next week, but someone will be there to talk to you about if you want to be a part of a small group, be in community, or if you want to lead or facilitate one. Some will be there to answer your questions. Or maybe you want to join part of the Four St. John's team. I just, I just love the idea of this church looking like the body in the community. And last year when we, we did it, it, I still go back and look at video and pictures and see. It just does something to my heart as your pastor and the team as well. To see expressing ourselves fully in our community as the body of Christ. And so that table will be there and you can sign up to be a part of that. If you have any questions about that, someone will be there. We need passionate teachers in our Elevate ministry. You can talk to Pastor Megan about that. We need people to serve at our conversational cafe to teach others English. We need people to serve in our City Kids program every second Thursday. We need greeters and ushers. I, I, I watch the team every Sunday morning. Pastor Rob calls it huddles. They get together and they, they talk for a moment about the message that's coming in the service that they most of them will miss. They'll talk about how, it's important, how important it is for them to, to be in the body of Christ where they serve a smile. It's amazing how a smile can change a person's day, isn't it? Right? And if you can smile, you could be on the team. If you can't smile, I don't know. <laughs> I don't have an answer for you. But, but that team is, is serving. So a person walks into this room. That team is the gateway to their presence in this room and their heart ready to hear God's word. That's how important it is. So if you want to be a part of that, talk to Pastor Rob. And of course, as I said, the four St. John's. So I'm passionately and without shame promoting us serving as we walk into the fall. You go to our website. You click on next steps, you'll get, come to this page. You'll see right down there, the volunteer form. You fill that out. They'll talk about your gifts. And you'll talk to Pastor Rob about your gifts, where you can serve best and things like that to take your next step. Thanks for listening. 
If you're interested in learning more about our church community, please visit our website, Bethesda.ca, and consider joining us for a gathering soon. Thank you.